I was going to save this to the end, but I want to get this off my chest because get it's bugging yes. me. Yeah. Indy, I'm going to talk spoiler free here good, for the good, most part. Please. People are being way too harsh on Indy 5, Dial of Destiny. I don't understand the, and I haven't seen it, but I don't understand the weird having response seen it, it's getting. Having seen it, I understand even less why people are, are giving it a hard time. And it's not just Cannes. It's not just the Cannes Film Festival. It's critics in general, even critics I, I, I usually agree with. They're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, dude, what is, what is, what's the problem? Even Kevin Smith, I watched his, uh, part of his review of this last night and I was getting a little ticked off at him because he's like, well, it wasn't, Basically, it wasn't fan servicey enough for Kevin. Really, it even says it's not a bad movie. You know, it's actually a good story. Director, it's like so. What, what his problem was that what I, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, I, I can. Oh, okay, and I, okay. I don't want to spoil it for you either. Thank but you. Uh, he just was expecting more. Basically, just meaningless fan service. Essentially, is what it boils down to. There's like something in the trailer that's not in the film. He's like, well, "What happened to that?" Like, I didn't even realize that when I was watching. It was like, Kevin, come on. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't. And the other, the other complaint I hear people saying, "Oh, it's too long," or the action sequences go on too long. And like, not once in the whole film was I sitting there going, "Man, when is this scene going to end? When are they going to get to the good stuff?" It was all good. And also, the other thing too, if you don't go see this movie because of these critics, you're going to miss out on one of the best performances, the greatest performances that Harrison Ford has ever done. It's nice. Th- this was my, one of my main complaints with Crystal Skull. The last one is that some of the scenes are great, but there was a lot of scenes where I just felt like Harrison was just kind of sleepwalking through the film. And mm. I think that's partially because Spielberg was, wasn't really into that movie either. Yeah. It's just, that was... just not all the way there. Not in this one, man. He is so in it and it's, it's just a fantastic send off for his character. So I, for the love of God, go see this movie, especially pe- people who are watching this channel. Most of you, as I know, are our age or older. This movie is for us. This yeah. is a movie about aging and embracing your legacy and finding peace in yourself. And it's fucking awesome. That's why I'm <laughs> so wearing my please. dad's hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so please go see this movie. And just the other thing is too, that I, I watched Red Letter Media's review of this and they are, I love those guys because they're hilarious, but they're also notoriously some of the most cynical and unforgiving mm. critics on YouTube. Mm. Sometimes for good reason. Sometimes they, they they're a little too cynical, I think. But they did like, for example, they they loved um, season three of Picard, which I was kind of surprised by. They they gave it high marks. This one they were okay on. They said, well, it's it's okay. But their their main complaints were, were it was the too long thing. They said, oh, whatever. Oh. The other thing was too that they were just disappointed that it didn't feel Spielbergy enough. Like some of the scenes, like guys, it's not a Spielberg. I know everybody's expecting Spielberg, but it's not a Spielberg movie. This is a James Mangold picture. And that's the thing is I realize people are expecting a certain brand of, of, and then it does have it. I mean, Mangold leans heavily into the Spielberg stuff, but to, to expect well, it to I, not be Spielberg, as, as Spielberg as it could be, he didn't direct it. Yeah. Spielberg was interpreting, uh, just like Lucas was the, the thrilling, the thrilling serialized pulp kind of stuff that they grew up with. And Mangold is probably interpreting the same thing, but through his own, filter so you're not expecting him to really emulate spielberg as much as emulate what that means to him that kind of action adventure story mm-hmm. but man I, I can't prejudge all i know is i want it to be good you're loving it makes me feel better 
because there's a yeah. problem where you're always worried as a huge fan, and I am a huge fan. Uh, I mean, and Crystal Skull, disappointing, but was I happy to see it? Yes. And will I rewatch it again? Absolutely, because the characters are there, and I love that world. So, I, and I like that. I like a hero in Twilight story. I do like a, it's like one last ride kind of thing. I'm always there for that stuff. So it's right up my alley and I was nervous about it. And the people that, yeah, I know you were. And the people that uh, I was expecting to hear from have all said, it's great. So so I'm going to go in. I, I really don't spend much time on, I read headlines of a lot of uh, reviews I, I because generally speaking, I kind of want to get just like the gloss over like they're like, this was a waste of time. OK, that's what you think. But really, until I've seen a picture, I don't want to read a lot of reviews about. It. Yeah. And I'm sure. Are you doing the thing where you're going back now that you have seen it? Yeah. To dive into those reviews and go, screw you, man. You just don't get it. Yeah, but I'm not even watching the ones where there there's some thumbnails on YouTube where they're going. I'm like, well, oh, screw nice. you. I, nice. I don't recommend channel. I click that. <laughs> I'm done Snap. with you, man. You know, but the the reviewers I do like, like Chris Stockman and Kevin Smith. I'm like, I'm just kind of like, guys. You know, I the the thing. This is the it's thing too. It's interesting with Kevin Smith though, because that guy gushes. Yeah, I yeah. don't understand. I mean, he's not a hard audience, really. I mean, Jesus, he was losing his mind over his best pal Ben Affleck and that terrible batman yeah but if he once you see the movie you go watch his review you'll you'll probably be as irritated as i was like dude come on dude come on because and the the thing with the you know spielberg and the different tone that red letter media guys were complaining about it's just funny to me because james mangold also did logan which was a a sequel to the x-men franchise and it was totally very different totally different in tone from those movies nobody seemed to have a problem with that and I, I can see, I think a lot of people probably were like Kevin disappointed that it wasn't more fan service because it doesn't I've do seen that. really weird, like uh, reaction stuff. Not, there's, you know. there's really ugly stuff too online that is unnecessary, including people who are, uh, you know, actual journalists or reviewers. Do you see that pushback from, I don't remember what rag and by rag i mean online news source but someone going like man karen allen is virtually unrecognizable and i'm like she's a woman in her 70s who's still karen allen and and what i'm sorry that she's let you down by aging what the hell are you getting on about exactly also there were people online who are being real snide about phoebe waller bridge who is not a uh she's beautiful but she is a unique looking lady and I mm-hmm. love her. Mm-hmm. I love her look, but I mean, that's pure surface, but of course she's brilliant and everything that she's written and starred in, she's amazing. So the whole idea that people are like going, Oh, this is what we get now. As if that, like, look at this chick, this is, and I'm like, Oh, that's gross. Yeah. That is so gross. It is. It's like, is there a character that she inhabits in this movie that she was meant for? Then shut up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, shut up about that. Weirdly, no one's like going, geez, Harrison Ford, stay home, grandpa. But it's like them attacking either the young woman in it or the older woman in it. And you're like, stop. 
Just stop I, I did, right now. I didn't see this, but some one of the re- other reviewers I watched, Sean Chandler, who I do really really enjoy his channel. He was he's kind of mid on the movie too. He's he, he's more. I've seen he, a he lot would, of people go. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, but he was he was also kind of going after other critics who were criticizing the movie for right. stupid reasons, like you know Harrison Ford's out of shape. Dude, he's eighty. <laughs> like, I give him a freaking break. Give him a freaking break. He looks great. Baby. I thought so. You know, whatever. They all need to shut up. And uh, I'll go see it as soon as I can. I really, really want to see it. And the box office is weird too. Do you think that's review, or do you think uh, people that's are just another depressing thing? This or is do you one think of the reasons. Tired of it. Yeah, I, it, it's doesn't. I don't even know if it's just indie that's a problem. It's just films in general. You know, Flash bombed. Of course, mm-hmm. there's a lot of lot of explanations for that. You could pull up this one. It's depressing that it's not doing as well. And you're. Uh, telling people to go see it's based on your your great enjoyment of it. Again, that may that should make people who are on the fence, but you know, love the source material. You might also come out middling. You might not even like it, but you're saying, dude, if you're a fan of the stuff, it is worth making up your own mind. Go see the yes. damn movie. Yeah, because it's not a cash grab. I think this was meant. In other words, with all the right reasons, they made it for the right reasons because they wanted the story to be told. Yeah. So that is because you can sometimes tell you can tell a cynical cash grab and you're like going, oh, boy, they're going to milk a little bit more of that franchise. But I, I I'm down. And don't get me wrong. Like I talking about James. It's a James Mangold picture, not a Spielberg picture. This is very much an Indiana Jones movie. He does yeah. not. He, he 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 does it. It's just it's Dude, he's riding he, a horse he, he in, in not, midtown Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, but he does not lean into the fan service as much as I think people like Kevin Smith would like. He, but it doesn't mean he doesn't lean into it at all. There's plenty of fan service in this movie. Wait, so the uh, Ark of the Covenant has not been turned into a coffee table? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there's, there there aren't a whole lot of okay. I don't, I'm not going to give too much of that away. Yeah, I appreciate so it. I appreciate you. It's 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 great. Thank so. you for guarding my sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got that off your chest. And yeah. and uh, your passionate, you know, uh, response, that says a lot. So I I can't wait to see it. I did, like, it was the coin toss of Spider-Verse or Indie for, you know, this round of money. And I said, no, Spider-Verse, just because it's been in theaters longer. And I am very much looking forward to Indie. Okay. So, so what should we talk about now? Well, we got loads, still loads of comments. Loads as, of as comments. This is one I wanted to get to last time, but we didn't have time. Um, Steve Powell, he says, uh, this and Far Out Space Nuts, as well as Arc 2. Arc 2! Back when Saturday mornings were great. And I went, Arc 2. And I, I had to look it up. And I was like, of course. As soon as you see that that that, that vehicle, I'm like, Can, can I do two. another Brendan's real life adventures story? Yes, please. It is not an adventure, but the oh. the the route off of the is it the I five that would take me into Burbank to go to my job tour guiding at Warner Brothers. Right across Barham is the street you 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 take off the exit off the freeway, but across Barham you could see this used car lot, and they had the Arc. <laughs> They had the ve- the Arc Two vehicle was in their lot, so I wow. assumed that either someone had acquired it and they and it wasn't like for sale. They just had it there, and you know it was in a little shaky shape after all these years. But it was just so weird to be like going do do do. Oh, there's the Arc Two. 
all right, now I'm going to work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got to see it. I watched that. It was, I wish the stories had been better. It was like really weak sauce, um, <laughs> lost in space. Right. Because they don't travel anywhere. They're literally the arc too is these are survivors of a post-apocalyptic earth and their, their vehicle, which is this enormous, <laughs> like minivan times three, like mm-hmm. stretched out almost like a train. And inside of it's like a happy family and a couple of, stray other people and a and a chimpanzee (laughs) and they are they're just going around you know destroyed earth and they run into people and it's not great show but it was a saturday morning classic and so this led to a couple of other uh realizations because i when i found it i I commented i replied to steve i said yes yeah that's another one i I totally forgot about but it's coming back to me and and i remember being obsessed with the arc 2 itself yeah and and attempting to draw it I think I drew that 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 vehicle so many times as a kid. Uh, but then Steve says, yeah, the producers turned took the front of the Ark 2 and they turned it into uh, the front of a spaceship oh. and a couple of other shows. Space Academy and Space Jason Academy Star and Jason Command. Star Command. Yeah. Yeah, which are the same verse. Yeah. Which one I watched, came first? I watched was a little it- bit of Jason Star Command. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this too. I think Space Academy might have been first. So I mentioned uh, Time Tunnel to you yeah uh, this past week this is why i got on that um and i'm not your obsession with time travel your obsession with time travel is well established yes we did the entire thing on uh time machine and uh time after time which is a very uh, that is the most popular podcast episode we have right now on on youtube wow weird yeah but i mean it was great we did a A slow burner on the last episode of the podcast uh we were talking about we mentioned Voyagers, Time Bandits, and Quantum Leap as you know, being strangely, se- seemingly influenced by each other. Quantum Leap and Voyagers both were about correcting right. historical events or yes. getting history back on track. So uh, Jonathan Sheeran, who we answered one of his comments last episode, too. Hi, Jonathan. Um, he, says, he says, your comparison of Voyager, Time Bandits, and Quantum Leap is genius. <laughs> <laughs> Loved all these, but never made a connection between them. And you're right. So this this prompted me. I thanked him. Obviously, it was a very nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. But I went on to 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 try to find out were they actually influenced. You know, was was Quantum Leap influenced by Voyagers and so forth? So I looked at Quantum Leap the Wikipedia page, and I don't know where they got the source from. Maybe maybe um, the producer uh, mentioned it in an interview at one point. But they said it what they said it was influenced by Time Tunnel. And I go, oh, what is that? <laughs> I didn't remember it. And I guess. I, I don't know, maybe just where I grew up, it just wasn't in syndication. Because uh, I guess it only had one season. That's another one of those Irwin Allen productions. Irwin and Allen, yeah. obviously, Irwin Allen's films, his disaster films, he became known, Towering Inferno, all those uh, things. Yeah. Um, but for TV, he was the genre guy for a long time. Uh, and I think Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea was probably his first yes. big hit. And I only saw some of that. And again, just like all the ones he made, his most famous TV was probably Lost in Space, which I mentioned earlier. And mm-hmm. that's the one, because it lasted longer, that's the one that we as kids probably, we saw in syndication all the time. Mm-hmm. We, just for the folks at home, we were not alive yet when these shows you know, came on. So yeah. we're a little younger than them, but they were running all the time, just like Gilligan's Island and that kind of thing. In fact, I think, where I grew up, I think that 
uh, Lost in Space and Dark Shadows, which still love, were probably, I think they were an afternoon block. And I think a okay. morning block was like Gilligan's Island and something. I like all the classic stuff, all the classics, Bewitched, I Dream of Genie. But the Irwin Allen stuff is always like, they're taking it pretty deadly serious, but it's for kids. So it's written pretty simply. Uh, and it's a lot of, of models, a lot of models and, and sort of puppetry and occasionally guys in weird alien suits. Pretty high budget for a, for a 1960s uh, for sci-fi time, show. Yeah. The one thing with Time Tunnel, I mean, it was a kind of crazy concept, had a good theme song. All the Irwin Allen shows Great actually had theme really, song. Holy shit, all yeah. of them had, re- I mean, because you had, was it John Williams who did both of the Lost in Space themes? Like oh, one know. of his early jobs. I think it was John Williams. But anyway, yeah, I loved those. Uh, Time Tunnel had, a, a, like you said, a good budget, but it was kind of dumb time travel, which it is, was I th- very schlocky. Yeah. Because uh, they never bother to explain, like, oh, we're back in ancient Rome. How are you able to understand these people? Right. It's like, yes. do you speak every language from every era? Yeah. But it would be just something stupid where it's like, here we are in ancient Rome. We have to make sure that Caesar gets stabbed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, 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 just, it's just so fun. I mean, I watched a few episodes it of it. It is And fun. they have great performance. There was a... A lot of really great uh, character actors as guest stars on the show. Yeah. The first yeah. episode I watched, I forget the net title of the episode, but it has Carol O'Connor. Nice. From All in the Family. Mm-hmm. playing a, a, Actually playing two characters, playing a, because um, they, they go back in time to the War of 1812. And oh, I a, think I remember a, that one. Yeah. There's a British colonel there who's played by Carol O'Connor. And then in the present day, there's a British general also played by Carol O'Connor, who's the ancestor of the other nice. guy. Nice. Nice. And his nice. performance in this uh as both of those characters is like oscar worthy it's Carol so o'connor he's so good was an amazing actor yeah. i mean just legit obviously what we know him for is another amazing character but i it's one of those things where he's known for something so intrinsically that then you have to go out and you see him do other things and you're like holy crap and mm-hmm. there's some people that are so identified it's worth finding other things like Henry Winkler fell off the map for a long time because Fonzie was huge for happy days. And, you know, he would just get work here or there, but thank God for arrested development. Thank God for them going like, let's bring him back. And now he's had this late career, you know, Renaissance where you're like, Oh my God, he's so good at other stuff. Yeah. He always was uh, his turn on Barry, you know, all four seasons of Barry is unbelievably great. But it's also true of like, um, who was I thinking of? Oh, Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty, who, of course, since we're such huge fans of Superman from 78, he did a lot of goofy comedy parts. It's true. But then you watch him in Network and the man is electrifying. He is scary. He has one scene in Network and he destroys. And then you see him in Deliverance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a one watch and then say, I did it. But uh, <laughs> But again, these are all really talented actors but yeah carol o'connor time tunnel the whole thing with it was kind of it, all of Irwin allen stuff was high concept like it had something really hooky and then he's like and then just do your best here's an episode on the titanic why not 
But the whole thing at the time, they're being really, he's being smart. He's like, just cast a hot, like, um, teen heartthrob. Like, you get, uh, uh, was it James Darren is in uh, Time yeah. Tunnel. Oh, he's so great in it, yeah. Yeah, it also had Lee Merriweather in it, who, yeah. lovely lady. And she only played Catwoman once. That was in the Batman movie they made. Movie, yeah. And she's very good. Mm-hmm. I have a signed photo of her uh, as Catwoman that came out of somebody's used book buy when I worked at Powell's. Like they oh. just like sold us a bunch of their used books. And then in the book was a signed, uh, like tucked in was a signed eight by 10 of Lee Merriweather as Catwoman. I was like, cool. We nice. can't sell this. Then yeah. I'm taking it home. So <laughs> now it's my, I shouldn't admit that. Is there a statute of limitations? <laughs> Um, also, uh, Whit Bissell plays the uh, mm. the military guy who's the head of the project. Yeah. Whit, Bissell. Whit Bissell from uh, the Time Machine. Yep. George Powell's the Time Machine. Yeah, uh, and then the circle was complete. Yes, right, exactly. So he's great in it. Uh, Robert Duvall plays a villain in one of the episodes. Uh, oh wow, young so Robert Duvall. Yeah, and so there's there's just great so much so much great stuff in it. Uh, one of the, my the other episode I watched, which was very schlocky but so much fun, was called The Ghost of Nero. Where they, oh. it's a ghost story where they they go back in time to um i think the time of world war one when yeah. uh germans and they're in italy and germans are invading italy and they wind up in this little uh, villa somewhere where there's a count uh played by an older actor who i'm sure is a name whom i can't remember right now and he's great sure. in it too and uh but yeah the ghost of nero is haunting this this villa and they oh, actually isn't that the worst they actually have fist fights with this ghost he uh- he, he, he possesses <laughs> a nazi at one point Wow, uh, or German. So I guess they're not Nazis yet. They're because it's World War One. But uh, there, there, there's a one scene where both James Darren and the other actors, whose name I'm forgetting now, um, Robert I believe, Colbert. I, I yeah, pulled it up. I think they're both still with us too. Actually, both of those guys. I hope so. Um, but they're, they're they get into a fist fight with this the the German guy who's possessed by Nero, and they're both punching him in the face at the same time. It's so great. And then later, Robert, that, Col- Robert Colbert gets in a fist fight with a ghost when the ghost is immaterial and he's like trying to find him. And then they, and, and then you see it's something falling into the couch. It's invisible. It's, it's oh, so much fun. Wow. It's just so silly. This is the thing I observed that, that uh, kind of blew my mind. And I, I don't know if this is really where this stuff came from, but time bandits and Voyagers, one of the reasons why those two things uh, seem related or influ- or why Voyager seems influenced by time bandits is that, and time bandits, we have them, you know, they jump through the time doors and they fall. Yeah. And they reach their time, their new destination. They fall from the sky. Yes. Same thing in Voyagers. They, That's uh, right. They would drop. They, they you know, click the uh, the Omni, which is the little pocket mm-hmm. watch that, that Phineas Bogg has. And they blink out of existence. Very similar to uh, Time Tunnel. When they when they go to New Time, they just I blink. I forgot that his name was Phineas Bogg. Yeah. Which, so, of but, course, and, is like Phileas Fogg from around the world in 80 days. So they're oh. doing like a wink. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a Jules Verne wink. So one of the first things I noticed when I watched, when I pulled up Time Tunnel and watched uh, one of the episodes is that when they arrive in a new time, they blink out They blink out of existence just like on Voyagers. But when they arrive in a new time, they fall into frame. Like, yeah. not from above, but from the side. They're, oh, yeah, they're like, yeah, like, yeah. Because they're like thrown out of the tunnel or something. Yeah. And it is a, a very cheap way to to do you know yeah they're not doing any they're not even doing like the star trek you know teleportation effect or anything they're so literally wonder, just jumping into frame <laughs> it makes me wonder if, if that's where terry gilliam got that idea from that then could be Voyager's i mean took what i well. what i think that yeah obviously everything influences everything else so 
Time Bandits did well in the theaters. It was it was you know an unlikely hit, but it did well. And I'm sure that they were people coming up with Voyagers are like going, "Ooh, maybe it's time for another time travel series." Yeah, and we'll have it be wacky misadventures where they're trying to reset events and it'll be our version of time bandit so it's all just it's a chain where they go "Ooh, i could take yeah. something from there but i mean that's that's true of everything speaking of which something I, I not that i'd forgotten about it but i just read before i we started i was just surfing around and someone was uh i think on twitter was saying this is what i'm watching right now and they just put up a, a photo of the box set of the complete series of Tales from the Golden Monkey, Tales of the Golden Monkey, uh, from the 80s. And now that is clearly a ripoff of Raiders, because Raiders had hit. Uh, this ties us back to Indy. But do you remember that? Like, anytime something's it, it popular... It is a ring about, yeah. Tell me Anytime about something's popular, then it becomes, like, we got to do our own version. So in the theaters, you have Raiders, and they're like, ooh, Pulp Adventure is now the new trend. So at least two TV shows tried to cash in on it. Tales of the Golden Monkey was the closest to actually nailing the Raiders aesthetic. It was it's set in the 30s, and the Golden Monkey, there apparently is a, a Golden Monkey statue, this mythical thing, and it's protected by these weird anthropomorphic apes that you only see in one episode, really. But it's all like, Nazis are there. They're trying to get the gold, and then Jake's like, "Yeah, oh, you can't get it." Da, da, da. And, and it actually was funny. It was pretty well shot. It was good. Then there was also "Bring Him Back Alive." Remember "Bring Him Back Alive"? These things lasted like a Not season, the, maybe two. Once you just start describing it, it's probably to come back to me just like Golden Monkey. Did. Bruce Boxleitner. This was after Tron. This is like one of the first big things he got after Tron. And in this case, he's playing real life guy Frank Buck. But it's a very stylized version of Frank Buck's life. Frank Buck in the 1930s was a big game hunter. And he became like a famous big game hunter because like this guy goes into the wilds of Africa and comes back with a rhino head. And you're like, wow. This, But he also became famous for Bring Him Back Alive because he was capturing game for zoos. So that was he wrote a book about his own life, autobiography called Bring Him Back Alive. And so you got Bruce Boxleitner in a pith helmet. It's 1930s. Oh, and his female star was uh, the woman from Tron. S- oh, Cindy Morgan. So they were reunited in that show. Oh, okay. Um, who was also in Caddyshack. So, yeah, that was not as good or as entertaining. But they were both desperately trying to cash in on Raiders. Put someone in the 1930s me. and have them fight Nazis. Great. This is reminding me of something else that I think Bruce said. Let me look this up really quick. One second. Do you mind if I take a little nap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's his name, Michael, who played uh, from a... <laughs> you sound like a, a, a Furby. Thank you. Sleeping. Yeah. That's why the ladies can't stay away. Michael, who from, uh, from, um, from Spinal Tap. Michael, better call Saul. Michael McKean. McKean, McKean yes. Michael McKean, Dirk Ben. Okay, I was thinking of Dirk Benedict. Oh, Dirk Benedict. You mean uh, Face Man? Yeah. Or you mean Starbuck? Starbuck. Yeah. There was a sequel to the Zork series. Zork was uh, one of the first. The Tex Adventure. Re- really, game. yeah, really, really successful Tex Adventure in the uh, early eighties. I remember uh, playing it at friends' houses. There was a, a graphical adventure sequel called Zork Grand Inquisitor, 
that came out in the t- uh, 1997. And wow. Dirk Benedict plays a character in that that's very Indiana Jones. So you thought it was Michael McKean, then it turns well, that, out to be Dirk Benedict. No, no, no. Michael McKean is in it, too. Oh, Michael he is. McKean, yeah. Michael McKean plays, uh, he's like the voice of the lamp. He's like basically the narrator of the story. Oh, like, oh. He, he's great in it. He's fantastic. So it's a video it. game, but they've got video, like shot on video segments it's in a, it. It's, a, it's like a, uh, yeah, it's like a, yeah, with a lot of cutscenes and stuff, uh, live action cutscenes. It's very much kind of like a mist kind of adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Game. Yeah. yeah. I've never um, heard of this. It's really, it's great fun. I, I would love to replay that game. I wouldn't know how now it was a windows. An emulator. Did it come out on Mac? I'm sure there's an emulator, uh, but Dirk Benedict plays, I forget what the name of his character is. He's like an adventurer guy. He's very much Indiana Jones. At one point he, he helps you refurbish this lamp that you find that turns out to be possessed by the spirit of a wizard. That's played by Michael McKeon. Ah. who talks to you. But as Dirk Benedict, Dirk Benedict is trying to restore it, he goes, oh, let me see. You, you got a lot of carbon scoring here. Let me, uh, which is a direct <laughs> quote from Star Wars. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So we got a comment from your brother. Oh, I'm very sorry. Your fiend, Mr. Jones. Yeah. 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 Robin says, Dusty's trail was co-created by Sherwood Schwartz. So the Gilligan resemblance was intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sherwood Schwartz. I mean, that makes sense that he's like, Let's reproduce the formula. And you last week were the one, I guess you had done the research to find out that Dusty's trail was completely made for syndication. It was even Robin said that. Oh, Robin said that. Yeah. That was the next part of his comment. I will also say that Robin, I hate accepting anything he says as being (laughs) true. Um, so, but I will give him that he does know his stuff. My brother does have a very deep catalog of specifically character actors. Uh, he, of course, loves the big stars, but the thing Robin loves more than anything is going to see a movie, and while you're trying to watch it, lean over and go, that guy played a killer on Columbo. <laughs> you're like, great, thanks, Robin. I'm just trying to enjoy it. You see the guy <laughs> in the back holding the, the soda can? <laughs> that guy was on a really great episode of Canon. Shut up. I don't care. <laughs> but that's my brother. That's the Robin Jones experience. Right yeah. Yeah. He does say, so I, I believe, but on this, I might be wrong that it was made for syndication. It still only lasted a year or so, but Schwartz was obviously trying to recreate his earlier success. Yeah. And he says, for Turner classic movies, I'm Robert Osborne. <laughs> 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 okay. So our friend, our friend, Kate Scott. Hey, Kate. Who, who was your, your first sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> also a huge, she's, she's a big supporter of blackguards. And we just saw her this past weekend. And oh, cool. Um, Kate says along the kids, these days are smarter line, which is something we said in the last episode. Yeah. So the, the advancement of special effects has us spoiled. Totally agree. Uh, Star Wars, a new hope was amazing when we saw it in the theater, but, but wow, watching it now, uh, and Star Trek, our, our palettes have definitely changed. And, it's it's true. I think that um, in a way, I, I, I kind of blame that in part to, to people being jaded uh, in, in films right now. And yeah, I think I think in storytelling too, it, it it's kind of this kind of goes back to Jaws too. Like this is a classic thing in a filmmaking where they they were severely limited in what they were able to do special effects wise, so they had to lean on suspense more. You know, because Spielberg famously wanted to show more of the shark but the model looked like shit. So they couldn't do it. Right. So they, they lean more on suspense and the fin moving through the water. And that and, made the and film. That, 
that made the film. And and but I don't necessarily think that filmmakers now feel the need to go all out, but they can. And so, in other words, they feel like, well, if I have the toys, I want to use them. At the same time, I've seen some amazing low budget stuff. And sometimes I do wish what's funny is if you watch something low budget that really works, but you had to forgive its bad effects and then you're like, okay, the effects were great, but I, you know, I still think it was really well done. And so sometimes you wish they were, they had the tools or the money. We just watched on, on the podcast to do with John. We just watched Bubba Hotep, which I've always loved since it came out. Bubba Hotep's great. Yeah. Uh, And Bubba Bubba Hotep is really low budget, even though you've got uh, Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis. It's shot in Texas and it's shot by the guy who did Phantasm, the Phantasm series, um, which was low budget uh, itself. And every now and then there's something really shaky or shoddy, like the scarab in it is literally like this rubber thing that's being pulled on a string. You know, you're like, oof. The movie's great despite that. And all I yeah. wish was, I wish I could have, you know, crowdsourcing back then. Like, I wish we could have put some money into Bubba Hotep to make it that much better. But then I do see things where where it's just an excuse when you have all the CG in the world and you're like, let's throw it all at the audience. And you're yeah. like going, maybe less is more sometimes. Yeah. It's specific to the project. But those toys and tools have made it a little... Like like she's saying, has made us jaded. Yeah. I can still watch A New Hope, and it still looks good. I mean, I, I have the bootleg of the original theatrical release, so I can watch it the way I saw it back in 77, and I'm still impressed. Yes, mm-hmm. you go to the cantina, and it's clearly like, oh, these are the leftover, you know, rubber monster masks that they found in the, and that's literally what they were. And yeah. you're like, yeah, that's pretty cheesy. But those models and the the effects work is great. There's still a lot of it holds up really well. And, you know, and, and some actually... of the little changes that he made, some of the little ones, not the big yes. ones. Some of the little ones are good, like like mm-hmm. being able to see into the cockpits when, when the mm-hmm. X-Wing squadron's going by and you've got actual pilots in there now. I'm like, that looks great. Yeah, and that, that's a really good example, actually, of, of, of uh, where effects, <laughs> you know, the advancement of digital effects kind of went a little bit too far and lucas is unfortunately sort of the he loves the his toys child, man yeah the poster child for taking things too far and and yeah. and his special editions of star wars there yeah there are some great things that he added there was one one thing he added that i think was perfect was where the the enhanced shot of of the millennium falcon leaving the space dock and yes. Mos Eisley flying. yes that was fantastic yes um but there are a lot of other things he added that we didn't, didn't need, need the job scene no, we did not. And then he added a bunch of stuff to Moss Eisley to make it more busy and things walking across the screen. That wasn't eh, necessary either. It wasn't yeah. necessary, but it also didn't detract, I felt. But it was also funny that there were things that I feel like I thought thought, thought for sure that he would redo that he never did. Like there's the scene of where, where Porkins – oh, no. is it? Por- I think it's both Porkins and, and Red Leader when they crash land into the surface of the Death Star. Yeah. It looks very, very fake and miniature. Yeah, little, because little – tiny- because- model explosion like why didn't they redo that yeah that literally looks like they set off a firework on the surface yeah. of that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah anyway yeah well we're old guys uh but i do agree with you kate we've all become way too inured and cynical because we've seen they can do anything now. 
So why waste time on something that's a little lower budget and um, and more suspenseful? Yeah. We also just watched. I'm sorry, I keep making references, but but it's it's around the time because we're now in the 2000s of the movies we're watching. So we also watched Dog Soldiers. Robin was a special guest on that one. He requested that, and Dog Soldiers, a really great werewolf movie from the early 2000s, low budget, uh, you know, like Australian made, I believe, and it's great because the acting, character, writing, all of it's so good. And when the werewolves show up. Um, you don't get really clear shots of them except for here and there. So the makeup is in the shadows and that's perfect for it. It works. So you never sit there going like, geez, that's a terrible looking werewolf. Instead, you're like going, this is ripping. So it was like Jaws, but you know, not in the water. It was the, about the filmmaker saying shadows help. If you don't have the budget, shadows help. And yeah. the suspense and a clawed hand coming in instead of like seeing Hello, werewolf guy. Here I am. Doop, 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 doop. Um, so I'm trying. I got a lot more comments, but we don't have time for all of them as, nah, as, just, just, as just usual. Give, give me a couple. So Zaround, one of our loyal viewers. Hello, Zaround. This is fun fact about two Captain Marvels and this most recent Shazam movie, which I know neither of us have seen. Yeah. Um, he did get called Captain Marvel in one very brief scene that alluded to that issue. Says I don't remember the dialogue perfect uh, perfectly, but somehow somehow they did put that. Into I scene. I actually did have that spoiled, and I think they even released it on YouTube. I saw it. It's it, another okay. thing where where he's like, I got to come up with a name for myself, and this was a scene where apparently the same Argus members uh, that we saw in Peacemaker, and I think they, they're like going, well, we're going to keep an eye on you. You know, because that's what our job, we track all you metahumans and whatever. It's like, we just don't know what to call you. He's like, uh, and it was like, I don't know, something like, I don't like, I'm Mr. Awesome or I'm like Captain, somebody cool, maybe I'm Captain Marvel. And he goes, yeah, I don't know about that. So it's like, a cute, <laughs> it's like a cute little throwaway, but see, at least yeah. they do mention it. Yeah, yeah. I will probably watch it. I mean, it is streaming yeah. on it. And I liked the first one. I understand this one's not as good. I don't hold it against them but this is part of the thing where people are going it doesn't even count doesn't even matter man because james gunn's coming around it's a new dcu so those movies when aquaman 2 comes out who's gonna go see it, it doesn't even count yeah. well it counts because it's a movie that got made it's, it's a fun movie to watch yeah and i can't wait for blue beetle uh I, i'm really looking forward to blue beetle so as around also says this is this is a, a fun little nerdy deep dive he, he gave us here i love it there's another fun fact about two superheroes having the same name Toshibura Productions in Japan made a TV show about a giant superhero who was part robot and part biological with a biological brain and internal organs, but robotic parts as well, mm. called Ultraman. Yeah. Filmed at around the same time as the original Star Trek, late, late 60s. But there is another Ultraman, the crime syndicate in a parallel universe with evil versions of all the good heroes as a villain who is the antithesis of Superman. Yes. The writers wanted to... Wanted a prefix to to mean very powerful and chose Ultra to rival Super. His costume looks like Superman's for the most part, but he has a big U on his chest instead of a big S. So Ultraman and Captain Marvel both repeated superhero names. And I said, I do the comments. I'm pretty sure Brendan's heard about the DC Ultraman. Oh, <laughs> I the oh my Japanese, god! No, Japanese I know one. about the Japanese one too. Okay, cool. And um, I believe they might be fairly concurrent, and I know for a fact that Ultraman. Japanese did not in any way influence Ultraman okay. from DC Comics. Um, Ultraman is one of their <clears throat> one of Japan's biggest 
uh, legacy heroes. Like he's been around forever. And in fact, I think they're still occasionally making new reboots and things with Ultraman. We got, we got Ultraman as like, um, syndicated dubbed stuff here in the U S and even a knockoff from there, uh, Spectre man, oh. which that used to show up in Houston when we were kids, uh, syndicated Spectre man, which always cracked me up because the name of the show in English Spectre man, but on the, on the logo, when the show starts, it said captain Spectre. And in the show, they were saying Spectre man, but it's basically the, uh, the same idea. It's like, they knocked off Ultraman and we got the knockoff too. That's great. But as far as DC Comics goes, that's Earth 3. I love Earth 3. Earth 3 is the the reverse Earth. Uh so the their greatest hero is Lex Luthor. And the crime syndicate are evil versions, but they're not they're not one for one. That's interesting because their backstories aren't the same. Mm. Ultraman is not Kryptonian, I don't believe. Um, uh, and I believe it's, uh, power woman is their version of wonder woman, but she's not oh, really? Amazonian and, uh, owl man. I wish that were not the case, but owl man <laughs> is their Batman. He is a human, uh, no, with no powers and he's their smartest guy. Johnny quick is their flash character. Oh, Powering yeah. powering is their green lantern knockoff. So, I, I love the guys from Earth 3. And yeah, he's got this big U on his chest. He's got the blue body stocking, big red U, red cape. And he looks a lot like Superman. And they have fought many a time. I, I think that's awesome. Thank you yeah. for... Uh, I had never really thought about it. But also, that could just be... There's a small well in your like going, superhero names. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and I'm sure there's plenty of crossovers where people are going like, well, we're going to call ours the blah, blah, blah. But there's already a blah, blah. Ours is different. Yeah. So that that that, that uh, segues pretty well into Superman casting, which we want to talk about. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your comments. Yes. We do this every every episode. We're going to be answering comments. So, And I'll try to stay more on topic because I, I veer. I veer. My brain goes to a place and I veer. That's, we're here for the veers. <laughs> That's why we're all here. I'm just here for the veers. Look, 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 look. Yeah. So, who uh, remind me I, of the names of of the people we know? There's only two people. Two names have been announced, right? That's it. That's or- it. And actually, only one of them I know, as in I, I've watched her work, and that is Rachel Brosnahan, who is the marvelous Ms. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel. Uh, and she is so good, such a good choice. She's beautiful, but. She, the thing about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is that she's a female stand-up comic in the '60s, and that required this actress to have real sharp, fast patter. And I don't think that James Gunn's going to go full 1940s front-page kind of stuff. But having Lois Lane be a fast-talking, quick-witted person—that's a perfect choice. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm all for it. That's perfect casting. Now. Superman, our new Superman, David Cornswit. Yes. I don't know how you really pronounce that. People have been saying corn sweat. (laughs) Oh, David Cornswit. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, because I keep going like, I don't really know him. And John's like, you've seen We Own the City, which is a fairly recent TV show. 
and and I did watch it and I loved it. He goes, he's in it. And I was like, oh, he's not the main character. And I, I get John Bernthal, who was uh, Netflix's The Punisher, was the main actor in it. And also Joshua Charles, who's great, is in it. There are a lot of great people in it. So he's part of that cast, which means I have seen him in something, but he didn't stand out to me. And John's like, yeah, he's got this scruffy beard. He's one of the crooked cops. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you see pictures of this guy and you're like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, he's going to build up the muscle mass, but even so, I don't think this is my Brendan's personal message to Mister Corn Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to go as big as Cavill. I mean, Cavill looked amazing, absolutely, but there was a problem every time you saw him as Clark Kent. You know, you can Christopher <laughs> Reeve was incredibly fit and yeah. and and muscular. He just didn't go to this extreme that we now expect of like a Hemsworth where it's like, you've got to just be ripped and you need to see veins and whatever. And it's like, that's up to you guys. Obviously that's a discussion between you and James Gunn, but you're a handsome guy. He's a handsome guy and he's going to look great. He's going to look great. Yeah. Hopefully red shorts, man fight for the red shorts. I believe in them, but he does. I saw a video of him just on it was pre the announcement. It was just someone saying like, I think they made a good choice. And it was a video of him just talking about representation and film and stuff from some press conference. And he just comes across as like, yeah, okay. He's a humanistic, good guy. And I think that's why James Gunn said when he goes, found the right people, he goes, he goes, it's not just that they're great actors. These are really good people. And I think he realizes is like, Look, if you're casting anyone as Superman, they don't need to be a saint, but we don't need to find out allegations later of like, you know, inappropriate, whatever. I bet if you get cast for one of these superhero movies now, they are doing extensive background (laughs) checks. They're reading all your old tweets. They are uh, like seeing if you made some really embarrassing YouTube video when you were in high school. They're making sure you never did anything in blackface or whatever. And they're like going, oh, thank God. He's actually just a good guy. So. I am jazzed that at least on the surface, we're in good hands. Everything I hear about choices being made story-wise, so forth, I'm happy, man. Yeah, so far, so good. So far, so good. What we've we've heard, this bodes very well, I think. And I do think we can pull back on needing... I know that James Gunn keeps people involved, as in he wants to keep interest going even while we're in pre-production so he drops lots of hints and says this is what we're doing and da, da, da. i get that but i think there's also a time where it's like just go make the movie okay and then surprise us then i don't necessarily need endless updates which <laughs> it hasn't really been the case i think he knows he's over the big hurdle we now can picture what our superman and lois will look like i hear things that he may be casting authority figure characters from the authority already they may actually be in the movie Mm -hmm. luther apparently is in it maybe but he keeps going on saying oh i'm sorry did someone tell you that we're that luther's in this movie he just teases a lot too he's like going yeah yeah i never said luther's in this movie because there were heavy rumors that i forget his name now it's the guy who plays beast and the x-men first class Nicholas Holt, who's really good actor and apparently he had been up for batman too and 
the story you heard the story he went in to read for luther and he goes actually i'd like to read for superman and oh, he yeah, didn't yeah. and he didn't get it didn't and get so it, yeah. then there are people online going dude to think that someone got close to batman and superman and lost he's a loser i'm like he's not a loser he's a great actor he was just in the menu and he was amazing in the menu this guy is solid he's never going to hurt for work he would have made yeah. a good luther i mean maybe he will get out. i don't know yeah i hope that james gunn does put him in something because he's yeah he's he's and clearly very, very we're good. going for the young era um some people online mm-hmm. were really going isn't she older than him how can we have an older Lois? She's 32. Margot Kidder was older than Christopher Reeve. So yeah, I'm like, shut uh, up. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> shut up, please. Yeah. Excuse me. Could could you please shut up? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm excited by this news and I, you know, again, I trust him to have made the right choices for this movie. I am jazzed. Can't wait. And I think it's, Two days from now, the new Superman cartoon debuts. I did not know about this. So what it is looks this? Great. It's gonna be on um Adult Swim, but it's called My Adventures with Superman. And it is skewed, I think, at at teens, but the animation looks great and it's very true to the comic. It's definitely it's Clark as a young guy trying to settle in at the Daily Planet. And the drawings, they have made them look like young adults. Lois looks like she's maybe 18, 19, and she's got short hair, and she's the scrappy, like, I'm going to prove myself, tomboyish kind of person, and Lois, and Clark's glumping after her, uh, then Superman is saving her. Jimmy is black. I'm fine, whatever. But he's definitely portrayed like Jimmy from the comics, as opposed to the way Supergirl was like, yeah call me james he's and you're a, like okay all right just a big boring dude <laughs> just a big boring hunky dude and this yeah. jimmy though black is being he's the nerd he's got like suspenders he's running around with the camera Good. and it, it looks like it's like the three of them is almost like a buddy thing and it's not pure comedy the animation looks really nice um and it has a good feel to it as in the reviews are coming in already on it um like rotten tomatoes and it's getting like 100 percent. people just loving it but yeah it debuts in a couple of days and i'm looking forward to it always yeah. a super fan always a super fan of indeed Superman. so all right i guess that wraps it up for this week yeah we talked Ladies about a lot of things we did as we often do <laughs> yeah so i'm pretty sure we have a patreon account at this point at the, at the moment we're talking right now as we're recording this, I haven't opened it yet, but I probably will by the time this episode comes out. I am going to start it off with a couple of exclusive clips that I cut out of episodes because oh. I, I didn't think they were going to None track of the ones would well. be farting, right? No, 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 no. Oh, but there, thank God. There will be uh, probably early releases of videos um, and also a, definitely a sneak peek at the Brazil video that I've been working on in the background for, for, for like a month now. Yeah, I know. I'm like, did we talk about Brazil? That yeah. was like four years ago. <laughs> Brazil, the legendary movie by Terry Gilliam. A huge favorite of both of ours. Yeah. We did talk about it for a good long while. I yeah. love that movie. I could come back and talk more about it because it's just so great. Yeah, it really is. But we're also, as as Chad is shaping the Patreon, Tell us what you might like as viewers, but also, of course, patrons. We're still trying to figure out what it is you might enjoy as incentives. I brought up the idea of maybe you guys pitch us uh, something you'd like us to cover. 
which of course will still end up with <laughs> with me going way off and veering. But still, uh, maybe there's a movie or TV show uh, from the past or present that you're like, I wonder what these old farts take on it is. We'd love yeah. to tell you. So let us know. And uh, I think that's a good idea. Uh, we appreciate the views. We appreciate that we've grown so much in just a short time. Very short period of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that means you must somewhat appreciate looking at the stuff behind us. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. is people are going, what has he got back get the, there? Get out of the way. Yeah. It's like, yes. And I did explain what that box is, and I, I don't want to explain it anymore. But anyway, so let us know. Uh, and I'm going to do my plug now, Chad, if that's okay. Yeah, hit it. Hey, uh, you may not know, but it does say it in our notes. Chad's been very cool about always posting it. I do a live show here in Portland, um, which is resurrecting 1940s radio scripts from the ultra-obscure Tesla Broadcasting Company. And we do that live on stage, but we've been building a podcast version so people everywhere can hear it. And because we're an independent theater thing, and boy, those are always gushing over with money. We are so wealthy. Um, what I'm getting at is uh, we have started an Indiegogo for our show. Me and my producing partner, Jerry Chrisman, also a friend of Mr. Mm-hmm. Chad's. We've started an Indiegogo. You can find us at Indiegogo.com slash projects slash. Oh, this goes long. The dash Tesla dash city dash stories dash help dash us dash boost dash the dash signal pound sign did you like the way i did that it was kind of cool it's kind of like getting into it yeah dash dash or you could just go to indiegogo and search for tesla city stories yes like the car but more importantly like the great inventor nikola tesla that's what they named it after go there for information about what the show is watch a little clip of me begging for money and if you're <laughs> feeling up to it uh, help us out because these shows, though they're from the 40s, talk about ultra nostalgia. They play really well today because we've had sellout crowds. We are uh, going into almost our 10th year. So any help is appreciated. Uh, over to you, Chad. Yeah, I'll, that link will be in the, the uh, description of Ooh, the video. It'll be why in did the I do show the notes dash- of the podcast. Yes. Why did I do all the dashes? You were already just going to put it in. I'll put a drum beat underneath it. Oops, behind. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then never do that again. All right. (laughs) All right, y'all. We will see you next time. Mm -hmm. Hopefully next week. Peace (laughs) apps out. Peace apps out.